Welcome to The Bend Show, where the work ends and the fun begins. This is Rebecca Warner, your host, a.k.a. Beck. Beck, 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 Happy Mother's Day weekend, everyone, too. As always, we love hearing from you. Comments, stories, ideas. Get a hold of me anytime. Call or text 305-900-BEND. That is 305-900-2363. Or drop an email to bendradioshow at gmail.com. My producer, sound engineer, and co-host, Jeff Tigger Earhart, is with us. Tigger, get out your planner. I need you to write this My down. My planner is always accessible. Yes. Oh, well, yes, you, beloved. What would between you... the two of us, he is Mr. Superstitious. And so okay, here is true. my that's PSA, true. public right. service announcement for everybody. May 13th is right around the bend. See how I did that? It's like in a week. So are you saying it's Friday the 13th? Hold on. Friday the 13th is a week it's from now. It's Friday the 13th. I'm giving you advance notice. Oh, my goodness. I will so hide the black cats from crossing your path. I'm not that bad. I will. <laughs> I'm not that bad. I'm not with throwing the, the salt over your... I don't even know which shoulder you're supposed to throw the salt over. The, is it the left or the right? Just make sure I'm not right behind you. It'll end up in my right. eye. I know. <laughs> in the spotlight today is, you can probably guess it, Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day weekend, and I want to say a special happy Mother's Day to my mom, Lois Warner, as well as to Tigger's mom, Joey Earhart. Way to are go you, for putting up with us. Are you doing that because <laughs> I forgot to say happy Mother's Day? Maybe. On on Maybe. Ranch It Up. I mean, Maybe. it could be you're covering my butt. Thank you so much. I do have a question for you. What's Since that? you talked about, about your mom. Happy Mother's Day, Lois, by the way. What did... Or I should say, was there something special that you kids did for your mother when you were growing up on Mother's Day? Was there a, a ritual that you did or you went to eat at a certain place? Yeah, there, act- there was. You know. just nailed it. Fishing. We grew up on the Knife River, and those that may or may not know my mom, Lois, very well, she loves fishing. And I mean, she'll go fishing almost every day if you'd let her. So on Mother's Day, that was always kind of the kickoff to summer for us. Mm. Um, Calving is pretty much done. And we always would take time out on Mother's Day on that Sunday and take my mom fishing down on the river. Um, My dad would actually try to control us kids and he would uh, be busy with, you know, rods and so he had to bait and, all the hooks. Yes, so he's keeping yeah. <laughs> making sure lines aren't getting tangled up. And mom is sitting on her lawn chair watching the river peacefully, maybe reading a book. <laughs> that's funny you bring that up because my mom, that's what she likes to do on Mother's Day. Oh my, I did Mother's not know Day. that. Yes, on Mother's Day because her birthday is in August and it can be, mm-hmm. get pretty pretty darn hot in August. But she likes to go fishing on Mother's Day as well. So does that I'm mean thinking... that you're taking Lois... You know what we should really do is I should take Lois, mother or uh, fishing, and then you should take Joey fishing. Okay, that's a neat idea. Or they all get together. Or we, I was and fish. just gonna say, or we make things simpler. Heaven forbid we do anything <laughs> easier on this joint. Well, with that, Happy Mother's Day to everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Sit back and enjoy the news. North Carolina. Troy Cornett of Dudley Shoals, North Carolina, took a stunning all-white gobbler on opening day. The all-white turkey had one-and-a-quarter-inch spurs and an 11-and-a-half-inch beard. Cornette plans to get a full-body mount of the tom in full strut. The National Director of Conservation Services for the National Wild Turkey Federation said that the bird appears to be a wild turkey with a recessive genetic condition called leucism. 
which results, by the way, in abnormal pigmentation caused of inhibited melanin. Leucistic birds can appear patchy, piebald, or all white, and that this bird in particular is considered not to be a true albino because of the pigmentation still in its eyes. The NWTF says scientists assume the leucistic birds are likely preyed upon by natural predators at a higher rate than typical birds because of their lack of camouflage, causing them to be rare. Washington an invasive species, one that can survive in drought, freezing weather, and even outer space, officials are warning is consuming and competing with native species in western Washington. Scientists there have spotted African clawed frogs in Issaquah, which is near Seattle. Although Washington made it illegal to own the African clawed frogs, some still do. Some who have decided not to keep the frogs and then release them into ponds and streams. As wildlife officials began looking into the issue, they discovered hundreds of frogs. According to state wildlife officials in a statement, these are considered one of the worst invasive species on earth. They'll eat a lot of native insects, which are good for forage food for our fishes and our amphibians, and they will eat tadpoles of native salamanders, and they'll eat fish. According to Washington state officials, the African clawed frogs have olive or brown skin, often with blotches or spots, and they do not have eyelids, tongues, or vocal sacs. Their front feet are unwebbed while their back feet are fully webbed with black, sharp claws. The African clawed frogs can even survive severe drought and freezing conditions. Please contact local wildlife officials if you have seen these frogs. Hold on there, Tigger. I was ready to pull the trigger. Well, don't, Go to break. don't take your headset off. I'm with you. We're going over the ocean to Vietnam. Vietnam just opened a 2,000-foot-long glass-bottomed bridge, and it's said to be the longest in the world. Now, Tigger, I'm having you really perk up your ears. Google this. I'm Googling. This bridge measures 632 meters in length, or approximately, like I said, 2,000 feet. It is called the Bach Long. Do you want me to go to images? Is that what you want me to do? Yes. I want to find out if you'd walk on this. I don't think you would. (laughs) Oh, uh, no. This it's a good thing there's public radio because I would be using another word to describe. No. Well, everyone, this pedestrian This is a glass bridge, bottom bridge. Yes, yes. It I'm is out. constructed of no. three layers of 40 millimeter or about an inch and a half thick of tempered glass. Who is going to, <laughs> whose job is it? The, the, the safety guy at the end, the QR guy, right? Yeah. To, at the very end to make sure this thing is... Is working properly. Well, despite the thin nature of the glass, the pedestrian bridge is supposed to be able to support about 500 people at a time. And for you, thrilled. According to whom? You said it's supposed to support. Are you You saying you would not have signed up to test this? We're not doing a family reunion in Vietnam. It's supposed to support. It doesn't say it does and has been substantiated that it supports. Well, for thrill seekers like me, the destination is a welcome addition to a bucket list as you walk above a 500 foot valley below the company behind the bridge in vietnam says it is considered to be the longest glass bottom bridge in the world and guinness world records officials plan to visit the bridge this month to determine if that's true so stay tuned y'all so how much does it cost to walk across this thing they've got a charge or do you have to sign a waiver 
sign your life away. I didn't look that close into it. I if mean, you're gonna go if you're going to go to Vietnam, I don't really think you're too worried about what it's going to cost to I'm walk on this Vietnam. bridge. I'm not going to Vietnam. Well, I know. That's, you can call. I will be going with my can, peeps. And you can give us an update. I'm not going to Vietnam. Okay, everyone. Now I'll let Tigger take it to break. When we come back, we're going to be visiting about avian flu and what you need to know when it comes to wildlife. Stay where you are. Public service announcement. Think safety first. Due to the extreme drought encompassing much of the United States, wildfire season is here. Before lighting that campfire or grill, check daily the local regulations for potential fire bans or fire restrictions. This is Beck. First, I appreciate all of you for listening and making The Bend part of your week. Many of you have asked, how do I catch past episodes? The answer is super easy. Head to thebendshow.com and click on the shows tab. There you can listen to every episode all the way back to episode one. Podcasters, head to your favorite podcasting app and search The Bend. You'll find us. Be sure to follow and subscribe and never miss another episode again. Little Rack Taxidermy, be it a youth's first hunt or a trophy of a lifetime, let it be something you always remember. Reach out to Little Rack Taxidermy on Facebook and have Heather bring back that natural look. That's Little Rack Taxidermy. Buckstorm Hunts offering Black Hills guided rifle and archery hunts on over 1 million acres for deer and turkey and for South Dakota residents, elk and bighorn sheep too. Hunts are limited. Book a hunt today. Head to buckstormhunts.com. Folks, I am going to jump right into this next topic, and it has been a hot one across the agricultural scene. I am talking the avian flu pandemic. With all the focus having been on domesticated poultry barns, my thought was what about the wildlife bird populations? I am talking about our waterfowl ducks, geese, to upland birds like turkeys and pheasants. And now with many of us getting into working in our backyards, we need to be aware of feeding some of those songbirds. To help sort this out for all of us, I have reached out to the North Dakota Game and Fish, and today joining us is Brent Weston, the head wildlife health biologist, whom has been working with the state wildlife veterinarian and has been involved in all diseases affecting our wildlife. Brent, thank you for joining us. We have all been hearing about the effects of the avian flu, the H5N1 virus on domesticated poultry. What are you seeing from a wildlife standpoint? Yeah, so a very large portion of the reports we're getting of the dead birds, sick birds that we have collected have been waterfowl, especially snow geese and Ross's geese. Those seem to be the ones that are most affected by this influenza virus that's going around. So um, when I say a large portion, I, I mean probably... 80, 90% of the birds we're dealing with. So pretty high numbers as far as what we're getting in. But, you know, when there's a million birds flying through, migrating through, having a few hundred, it, we, we don't necessarily think that the mortality rate is very high at all. So, yeah, we're, a lot of people are reporting a lot of dead birds. But like I said, there are quite a few rolling through at the same time. So although we don't have an exact mortality rate for these waterfowl, we, we don't assume it to be very high, but we also have seen some raptors being affected. So 
a lot of hawks, eagles, and owls. The the sort of birds you imagine are probably going to be feeding on these waterfowl when they do die. It's getting passed along to them that way. So after these waterfowl, I'd say that's next on our list as far as the numbers of reports we're getting of dead and sick animals. Just like I was saying, different hawks. We've had Cooper's hawks, red-tailed hawks, rough-legged hawks have tested positive for the virus. We've had um, bald eagles test positive for the virus, great horned owls, a snowy owl. So sort of all over the spectrum there as far as birds of prey go. Some good news on the wildlife front is that we have zero positive animals here in North Dakota as far as wild turkey and pheasant. I know that's where a lot of the questions come from as far as the birds that people are wanting to hunt. Yeah, the wild turkey, we've had a few tested, a few pheasant tested, none have come back positive. So there is good news there. That is great because I was actually going to ask you with it being spring turkey season, and it's not just here in North Dakota going on, it's going on across the country that, uh, you know, archery season, spring turkey season, that's all happening. And I know a lot of people have been wondering if it's affecting their numbers. So thank you for touching on that. Do you know, with spring coming about, a lot of us were getting excited to start putting out our feeders our, for our birds or songbirds. And it's kind of become a hot topic I've noticed across the country. I know there were some issues out in Minnesota. They were putting out notices, don't put out your your feeders. And then now over the last several days, I saw that Illinois Department of Natural Resources, along with Michigan's DNR, a couple of other ones, I think Ohio, maybe they've been starting to put out notices, watching out for songbirds, your water baths, things like that. What is your guys' stance? How are you guys seeing it? Or do you have any precautions or, you know, something you want the public to know about? We've actually, um, we've been a little bit more neutral as far as the bird feeders go regarding avian influenza. You know, certainly these feeders can spread different diseases. Um, You should definitely be cleaning them regularly if you do have them. Just for example, uh, salmonella is something you'd be concerned about with the bird feeders spreading to different songbirds. But as far as avian influenza goes, we haven't seen a whole lot of evidence that these feeders are going to be perpetuating the spread of this disease. Talked a little bit about wildlife earlier. Uh, Same thing with songbirds. We haven't had any positive influenza tests come back for songbirds. We we had quite a few uh, different smaller songbirds die in the last month or so, but it looked like that was probably related to the blizzard that came through rather than avian influenza. So those deaths sort of got people worried, but songbirds seem to be a a little bit more resistant to the influenza virus. Um, Like I said, we haven't had any tests positive and I don't think it's affecting them as much. So from, like I said, from an influenza standpoint, I don't think the feeders are going to do too much about that, but there are other diseases that might spread a little easier with the presence of bird feeders. So, you know, ultimately it is up to the homeowner, but if their biggest worry is the flu, then, you know, I don't think they need to worry about taking the feeders down too much. That's great to hear. I know a lot of us do enjoy, it's kind of part of that spring and depending on where you are in the country, some of us as like as Northerners are experiencing spring much later than usual. And just the fact we're starting to hear and see the songbirds, uh, makes us feel good again, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Because there are so many parts of the country though, that are dealing with drought, especially in the Midwest. Do you have any tips for those of us now that are excited for spring that want to maybe start, you know, whether it's 
you know, the songbirds in our yards. We want to maybe put a little extra feed out or something like that. Or even the roosters. I know my backyard, I've been enjoying it. I, I've been waking up to the sound of roosters lately. Them pheasants get, get us mm-hmm. excited. And they sure are yep. fun to watch them as they're herding the hens around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just different precautions you'll want to take when you're out recreating and dealing with wildlife is if you do come, I guess, first thing you'd want to be careful with is if you do come across a sick or dead waterfowl, any bird that looks like it's showing any sort of influenza symptoms, you know, our big, a big question we get is, should I put it out of its misery? Should I dispose of it? But we advise that you just leave them out on the landscape. You can report them to our game and fish office. Our website has a wildlife health reporting form that you can report any dead or sick birds you see, and that'll come straight to us at the lab so we can take care of it there. But um, yeah, if you see any of those, then you'll definitely want to stay away from them. If it is in a spot where you just need to dispose of it, then like in your yard or close to some domestic, you know, backyard chickens you might have or any domestic poultry you might have, then use gloves, try to wear some boots that aren't going to be tracking anywhere else. Um, any tools you use, you want to disinfect those just so you're not spreading the virus around. But ultimately, you know, just using that those safety precautions to make sure you're not spreading it around because like I said if you do have any backyard chickens or anything it can be pretty lethal to those birds so you want to keep it away from them but like I said earlier too if you're if you're going out turkey hunting if you're pheasant hunting then most likely you're not going to be dealing too much with a bird that's sick from avian influenza it's not impossible we do see that these these birds turkeys and pheasant in a more commercial setting they can get it but just the way they interact in the wild um, they're most likely not going to be positive for the virus thanks brent and great news for the most part regarding us enjoying our feathered wildlife but i will echo the warning to stay vigilant and if you happen upon something suspicious be sure to reach out to your local game and fish or state department of natural resources stay where you are everyone we make our final bend right after this The Mile City Bucking Horse Sale presents horse racing for two great weekends. Make a trip of it with our Superfecta package with great deals on hotel accommodations, dining, and drink specials from these Mile City businesses. Go to BuckingHorseSale.com to get your Superfecta package today. Waterfowl, turkey, deer, ToxicCalls.com offers all of the various styles of calls needed to take your hunt to the next level when you create quite simply the most real sound yet. American made to boot? Order today. ToxicCalls.com. Public service announcement. Drought is affecting many states this year. Due to the low water levels, many of our favorite lakes and rivers may have limited boating access. Plan ahead. Check with local authorities for boat ramp closures or changes. Be prepared and plan ahead. OverTheEdgeOutdoors.org, a nonprofit providing veterans and active service members with opportunities to hunt and fish at no cost to them. For more information or to donate, check out OverTheEdgeOutdoors.org. Again, that's OverTheEdgeOutdoors.org. The necessities of life, food, water, shelter. And your favorite radio hosts, this is Jeff Tigger Earhart. Tigger. And Rebecca Warner, a.k.a. Beck. Beck. Join us every week right here for the Ranch It Up radio show. And the Bend radio show. We talk cattle, market, sale barn reports, news. Cooking, lifestyle, outdoors, recreation. And everything in between. And there's a lot in between. Ranch It Up. And the Bend. 
Welcome back, folks. Had a question emailed to us regarding last week's show. We talked e-bikes, those electric bikes, with John Arman from Ultimate Outdoor Adventures TV. Let me read the question. Beck, love the show. Have heard some about the e-bikes before. Curious, have you heard if there is much of a difference between an all-wheel drive versus a rear-wheel drive bicycle? Aaron from Nebraska. Well, I forwarded this question on to John. Thank you, by the way, Aaron. Great question. Here, let me play the message John left us. Um, yeah, you know, that's one of the things when I tested this out is that most of the bikes are made with just the rear wheel working, whether it's a mid-drive, you know, meaning that they're run from the middle of the bike on a chain to the back tire. And that's going to be 90% of your bikes out there. But with the Megatron, you have an option. So you can click on it. You can run front wheel drive which works, but it's a little bit squirrely. It's not like you would think on a car um, because you don't have as much weight on the front end. You're sitting more on the back end of the bike. So when I was in the snow and I ran it in front wheel drive, if I didn't lean over the front tire, I was like really kind of bouncing around. But then rear wheel drive worked really well. But when you put that thing in all wheel drive, it's amazing. It was twice as fast. You could go through twice as much snow. And I would tell you that if we had 12 inches of powder, that thing would rip right through it. So, you know, there is a big difference, but you're going to pay a little bit more because it's um, two-wheel drive versus a single drive. But all in all, depending on what you're going to go for and what you're looking for, that's what you would kind of take into consideration when you're looking at buying one of these bikes. Thanks, John, for the insight. And to Aaron, again, great question. Thanks for reaching out. As always, folks, keep sending us in those questions thoughts. We love connecting with y'all and be sure to check out and follow John Arman and Team UOA. Before we sign off for this particular episode, I got a question. Did you talk with John about the price? Did you guys mention that last week? Good catch there. I'm we sorry, did, I, I, I we did to not the show. mention <laughs> the price, but the price point on e-bikes across the board, depending on wattage and what It'll run you anywhere from 1500 up into 8000 depending on the model, make, all of that. Bullseye. As we've mentioned before, May is beef month. All month long, I am sharing easy solutions for supper and dinner that'll satisfy the whole crew. So here's another right from the ranch. Beef-em-ups. That's right. You heard me correctly. Beef-em-ups. What a fun name, right? Well, I got this one from my mom's personal cookbook, a ranch favorite. And I want you to note, these are great for taking out to the field too. Do you have your pen and paper ready? Ingredients, one package egg roll wrappers, one pound ground beef, one envelope of taco seasoning, one large egg white, one tablespoon of garlic powder or minced garlic, and your favorite taco sauce for dipping later. Then we'll also need some oil for deep frying. In a large skillet, brown the beef over medium heat until it's no longer pink, chopping it finely and season it with that one tablespoon of garlic and then salt and pepper it to your taste. Drain off the excess liquid and stir in the taco seasoning. Next, we heat the oil to 350 degrees. And while that is happening, take your egg and separate the egg white from the yolk, tossing the yolk. I recommend having a basting brush handy. Now we're ready to assemble the beef-em-ups. Using one egg roll wrapper, place a hefty tablespoon of that beef mixture in one corner and fold the egg roll up like the package indicates. Taking the basting brush, brush on that egg white on all corners and seams to seal it. 
placed aside and continue to fill the remaining egg roll wrappers. Once we are finished filling up all of the egg roll wrappers with that beef mixture and the oil itself has been heated to 350 degrees, we are ready to fry. I prefer using extra virgin olive oil or avocado oil, by the way. So as you place the beef-em-ups in the oil, watch until they turn golden brown on one side and then flip them over. So then take them out once both sides have reached the golden brown and set them on a rack to cool or on paper towels. And enjoy, are you ready, with your favorite taco sauce. They work great for going out to the field as they're nice and warm and hot. Wrap them up, I would suggest, in some aluminum foil. And be sure to not forget to bring along the taco sauce for a little dipping and you have a picnic on the go. If you'd like a copy of this recipe and others, be sure to check out our Facebook page at The Bend Show this week as we'll share the recipe. Folks, if you have a field update, a topic we should investigate, a recipe you'd like to share, or have a tale of your own, send it this way. Call or text 305-900-BEND. That is 305-900-2363. Or email bendradioshow at gmail.com. Social media, we are everywhere. Facebook and Instagram. Follow us at, that's A with the circle, The Bend Show. Thank you to my producer, sound engineer, co-host, Jeff Tigger Earhart, to wildlife health biologist, Brent Weston, Aaron from Nebraska for the great question regarding e-bikes, and to John Armin from Ultimate Outdoor Adventures TV for having the answer. As y'all make those memories in 2022, be sure to keep sending in those pictures by email and always tagging at The Bend Show on social media. Hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, to ranching, farming, to your rural way of life, we want to see it all. We want to see and hear about those memorable moments. Missed this episode? Find all our shows on the website, thebendshow.com, and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Booking events now. Change things up and have us, Beck and Tigger, help you with your event. From MCs to entertainment to acting as host couple, let us make your gathering extra special. Thank you to our partners, Atlas Tracks, Little Rack Taxidermy, Mickey's Mustard, Mile City Bucking Horse Sale, Wobble Creek Outfitters, Ranch House Coffee, RFD TV, and the Cowboy Channel. Finally, a big thanks to all of you listeners out there that came along. Again, a happy Mother's Day to y'all. And whether you're coming or going today, stay with us as we ranch it up. Remember to keep up with me, Beck, all week long by following The Bend on Facebook and on Instagram at The Bend Show. This is Rebecca Warner, where the road ends and the West begins. Catch back if you can next week on The Bend. <laughs>